So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome to Geeks of Grimdark, your home for everything Warhammer, be they elves or Eldar, space marines or stormcast, we've got you covered. I'm Lord Turner Orc, and with me as always is... The Shield Brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's going great. I'm coming to you live from Wretched Giraffe's basement, which, spoiler alert, we have Wretched Giraffe here. I can't believe you would spoil that. Yeah, so I'm on vacation, like a, like a nine or ten day. I didn't count how many. It's two weekends and a week of vacation. Rarity went camping to a cabin by the river it was mostly good i had a headache for half of it for some reason but did ride in on side by sides his dad's a little insane going you know 50 on the gravel on the mountain trail but it was fun so regular side by side stuff yeah i don't know i have no frame of context wretched that was it there you are all right and then uh besides that Played like 50 turns of Total War today because I'm up to about a thousand hours in Total War and I'm I'm still not anywhere near tired of it because it's fucking awesome. It's a good game. And uh, Wretched and I are looking forward to uh, Diablo 4 coming out tomorrow, so probably going to do a lot of that. And then we've got, uh, we've got some small plastic men to do this weekend. For sure. Point is, I'm on vacation. It's good. How are you doing, Auric? See, folks at home, Axel's taking what's called a European vacation. Elaborate? <laughs> I was going to say, it's only a joke that makes sense to Americans because your vacation isn't two days and it isn't for an important medical procedure. Oh, that's, that's, okay, ouch, fair, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought this was like a well-known joke amongst Americans, like, vacation, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I mean, in order to make it happen, I had to specifically time it around uh, an already existing holiday, use my quarterly wellness day that my company provides, and still take three days off, but... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's again, it fucking, you, you, you want time off from your job, but why? Don't you love it here? And uh, my, my lady is here. I don't know if she, she hasn't given me a, a proper name to give her for online discussions, so I'm just going to go with my, she's my lady for now. Uh, she's here too. She's been having a, a good time on the on the trip as well. Uh, her birthday was yesterday, so we took her out to breakfast and dinner, and then we went and saw a movie. This is not a regular episode of, of uh, Geeks with Shield, so we don't have suggestions of the week, but we went and saw The Machine, the Burt Kreischer film, and uh, it was fun. Yeah. Nothing great, but it was fun. It was, yeah, it was, it was worth the the watch. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Good to hear. I spent all day smoking a pork butt. Smork, smoking a what? Pork butt. I got a smoker. Oh, with your, I saw your tweeting about the, yeah, you got a, you're a smoking dad now. But yes. that's not cigarette smoke, smoking meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's my new obsession. I spent all day fucking smoking a pork butt. Hell yeah. So, so I mean, I got the smoker out there. Yeah. Rich, what's, what's up? up? <laughs> all right, Anyways. we can talk about any of this all day. We should move yeah. on. Before it descends into right. true madness. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, get back on track with our patrons. The, pe- the reason this podcast in particular exists because they supported us and they said, we want more Warhammer content. We said, well, you guys pay for it, so we'll make it happen. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brandon Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Donna Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Tukani, and Peter Cook. And if you'd like to join the illustrious legion and be able to yell at us directly, for a small monetary donation, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. We got all sorts of extra content over there, including the very, very, very nice perk of early access to all the content. All right. Now, this is a bolter slash heavy bolter. This we is are... a heavy bolter grim geeks of grimdark. It's gonna, it's yeah. gonna run long. We'll see how well, we'll see. I don't we'll have see. I don't have my clock in front of me, so I can't keep track of it like I normally do. So we're kind of just going on feel here. But what we know, but tell our listeners what our topic is for today. Well, we've done one of these before, and we'll do one after. Our previous one we did with... Two? I thought we did two of these already. We've only done one of these. Okay. Yeah. We've 
I'm really curious what you thought the first one was. But we'll I was there. It. I thought we had a problem with the Imperium already. No, we have not done the problem with the Imperium. Anyways, we did a problem with Chaos, which is a top-to-bottom breakdown of everything that's wrong with Chaos in 40K, both in the narrative and as represented through Games Workshop as a company. To our eyes, and we are not... To our eyes. Yeah, we're not experts, because that word is a bad word here at this podcast. But I say we make amendments now, too, looking at new stuff, so... True. <laughs> and this time, we're talking about the problem with Xenos, which is both greater and lesser than the problem with Chaos. Different. <laughs> Different. But some things are the same. <laughs> yeah. But some things are the same. Separate but different. It's vague as fuck, but it's a big, it's a big conversation, and we're not going to touch on everything. We're just not. So, I mean, I are any of us Xenos players? Yeah, I am a Xenos player. He is a Xenos uh, player. You play orcs. That doesn't yeah. count. You've abandoned your orcs like you know a box of puppies. You know, I have not. I thought I did, but the second Speed Freaks got revealed, I was like, oh, tank! I thought it. So yeah, I'm, my orc blood is still. It's maybe not as strong as it was when orcs were all I played, but now I'm probably like 60-40 sisters orcs. So you're you're allowed to like other stuff. All right. You yeah. don't have to be the one man. All right. Yeah. Sometimes you play two armies. Sometimes you're like, man, corn's really cool. And then sometimes you're like, you know what, Zinch is pretty cool. Just I mean, be like that. Technically I have four armies, but two of them are in a different game. So Yeah, but we don't talk about that. That's yeah, just, that's not okay. that's not this podcast. Yeah, the point is, orcs were the first faction I collected. I, I had a full, like, two and a half thousand points worth of orcs before I collected my first battle sister. So even though I consider myself primarily a sister's a battle player at this point, I still have a lot of love for orc, orc lore, orc models. I have more orc models than I do sister's models. Well, that's because that's a horde versus a small horde. Yeah, you? but I also have a Morkinot. I don't have anything like that for sisters because the closest would be an Imperial Knight, and I don't own an Imperial Knight. I was going to say, there oh. isn't anything that's like really sisters equivalent, right? Yeah, like, I was like, there's like a Polar Knight. Like, that's Catherine, cool. but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, but even, not even that, on the same scale as them. Yeah, because yeah, my point is, I've got a Burnabama, I've got a Morkinot, I've got Gazgul, I've you know, I've got a lot of stuff in orcs. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that was also your it was your first love, but then Yeah, I kit bashed my well, I didn't really kit bash. I, I modify the Beast Boss on Squigasaur to make my own insert universe character in 40k that is a beast boss on a Squigasaur. Yeah. I mean that, that checks out. Everybody's gotta do that. Yeah. So point is, I still love me orcs. Everybody personifies a model. And mine happens to be an orc. Yeah. Wretched? What up, sir? Do you have any Xenos affiliations at any point? Uh, I don't play Xenos at the moment, but I do know a lot of people that do. Yeah, we have actually a solid group here around in Wretchedstown. I only get to be part of it when I come visit, but he's got like quite a few people who, who play around here. Admittedly, I've got a few people in my hometown, but they're not even as consistent as the group here. Like we got our one buddy, Rels, who is a town player and went hard hit the paint on town. Oh yeah, uh, 3,500 points and is still making the joke of, you know what, next tax return? I'm buying the Manta. Don't buy the Manta. To. No, buy the Manta. Don't do it. <laughs> no. This is awesome. He doesn't need to have debt for this fucking he model. He doesn't. Bullshit. Stop. <laughs> Cease. He already has a storm surge. He has his big model. We no. get it. It's funny. The Manta isn't anywhere near big enough. Plus, there's the insane have mind you? break that'll happen when he has to try and warp it into shape. Ulrich, oh. have you seen how big a Manta is? Yes, that's why I want someone to buy one. No. <laughs> And then we have someone, <laughs> we have uh, Wretched's roommate has Nids, but he's not that active of a, a player. Yeah, so. yeah. And I will say that the, the new line that's been coming out has been really got him really interested. Cool, because cool. he's always been more of a, like, I want to play bigs. Yeah, he wants and to play, not the horn. He wants to play big, funny monsters. And, and Hell yeah. My, my top guy back home is a GSC player mm -hmm. uh, who, who is my friend. Uh, I also have another guy I've played who's a Leagues of Votan player who's one of who's one of my dungeon masters for my regular D and D games. So so yeah, we have a lot. I think the only army I have no personal like connection to, as in I don't know anyone personally plays them, is Dark Eldar. Uh, that's it. Uh, I mean Zach, I guess is no. You said he's more going to be Craftworld, isn't he, he? He wants to play more Harlequin. Well, he was a big fan of Yanari, and that's a. Uh, 
Oh, you know, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get into that later. That's a that's a tenth thing. Will the point is the only army I don't know I don't personally know someone playing it is Dark Eldar. I know yep. at least one person who plays every other Xenos army. Yeah, he he does really like uh, Dark Eldar, but the big problem was um, he likes a lot of the weirder races than Dark Eldar have, like the Mandrakes, the Snake guys. Um, and with that, those lines getting kind of more pushed to the side, he's not as big of a fan anymore. Yeah, and then that's like the first big thing we can talk about with Xenos as a problem. Lots of outdated models. Oh, for sure. Well, I think in 40k anyway, the oldest model that still has a data sheet, period, I think is a Dark Eldar model. It's the, one of their slave models or something. Is it, or is it the... Um, I'm pretty sure it's the... Because I know Warp Spiders are really old. Warp Spiders? Well, oh, yeah, that's right. We got, new pl- we got new plastic aspect warriors, so the Warp Spider became the next... The Warp Spider, yeah. I think, came out it's, either Eldar, it's either Eldar or Dark Eldar have the literal oldest model in the current 40k line. And, and we'll circle back around to Eldar, because that's its own separate weird... Yeah, because I got a buddy that's actually over in, in Britain that... Uh, really loves Eldar and played in 3rd edition and has been coming back and like it is a crying shame that they have not touched on any of the Phoenix Lords. <laughs> yeah. And they look terrible. Oh yeah. But that's like it's like we've gotten really good like new edition here's a new model glow up. Necrons here you go. Orcs here you go. Yeah. Here, say. here you go. Necron, Orcs, and Tyranids, like you just said, they've all, in the last three editions, have gotten multiple glow-ups. They are in great... Orcs especially, like, when I got into this, uh, there weren't that many Orc models that were outdated, but one of them was, like, Commandos. Boom, we got a kill team of Commando boxes in plastic, or a Commando kill team box in plastic. Like, and the whole uh, Beast Snag line is basically kind of a refresh entirely. Orcs got a nice hot run there for a bit with their... They first they had the speed freaks, then they had new gaz, then they had the beast claw readers or the beast snagas. Yeah, the big beast snagas. I bought that box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say too, like Craft Worlds actually did get a decent glow up if you look at the models that were released. It's just Eldar are one of the and I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure that Eldar are one of like the oldest races. They've been since instance rogue trader in some form. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. What when when Warhammer 40k first edition dropped, it was like Space Marines, Im- Imp Guard, Eldar, Orc, yeah, yeah. Imperial Army. Imper- exactly. Like I think that it was wasn't like- even because yeah, it's very messy. But like the oldest lore, the first Ultramarines uh, librarian was half Eldar, half human. Oh, I'm, that sounds like some heresy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a. Uh, it's an interesting thing because, like, they did redo Guardians. Uh, they made the Ranger Squad. They redid is that the, the Kill Team box of Eldar. No, that's actually Corsairs, oh, Corsairs, which is like a whole different thing, which is really neat. Yeah. What did, What else did they do? They They gave a new Archarch. They made a new Avatar of Cain. They that's right. I've seen the new Avatar of Cain. Oh yeah, no, the Oh Fuck He's Hot. <laughs> oh Fuck He's Hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they. But- Oh, sorry. Uh, there's there's one more too. They redid the Ranger Squad on bikes. They redid there's the Lance guys on bikes. I can't remember their name. But on the other hand, oh yeah, Tau haven't gotten necessarily like a lot of new models. Like we got an update to Farsight. Farsight, yeah. And, but that's like really. Shadowson got an update. So a couple like big characters. Well, I think I don't know if Shadowson was before. Someone Shadowson came right before uh, Farsight because Farsight came out with the new with the. Arcs of Omens book. I think no, no, no. So Farsight was around before, but he got oh, oh, yeah. But I don't remember when Shadow Sun initially released. Because I want to say it was in seventh, but I could be very wrong. Yeah. Meanwhile, Shadow Sun is seventh because that was the hot shit. I remember when I was playing seventh. Because now we're terrifying in seventh. Yeah. And I think Dark Eldar got. I think I remember like one or two model refreshes of like their big creepy. Yeah, they uh, things. Um, I don't know. I know it's very vague, but it's like no, the Chronos or whatever they're called, and the other one. Yeah, um, uh, I forget what the variants called. Necron got basically a full refresh at the launch of Necron oh, because they were they were the the launch uh, opposing <laughs> they, army. They were the big bad until they weren't. Yeah, including like a new Silent King, which is awesome. 
I don't think GS has GSC got anything in the last two or three. They years? get the Beastmen treatment of here's a new HQ for you. Yeah, they they uh, the newest thing they got was the bomber gal that came out. In, That's right, the saboteur. Yeah, yeah. that came out in the the custodian box that was against them. That was uh, what is it? Shadows under the throne. It's, it's right there. Shadows of the throne. Yes, I'm the throne. Yeah, shadow yeah. throne. But I think of all of them, GSC have gotten the least new stuff. Which theoretically, you could argue that new Tyranid stuff also is new GSC stuff. But I think an argument. Bullshit. It's not. That, that, those are different armies. They would play together. New stuff. Yeah, which, I mean, new GSC. I stuff. like that. That is mechanically the case. It's still not an excuse to not give us like give us a patriarch that isn't oh. fucking the size of a gene stealer. You know. Oh well, I think they did too because I think the Magus, uh, the the gal that they released that's super fucking awesome by the way um i think she's pretty new yeah well it's uh, like again i've got a buddy in at home who has a giant gene stealer cult army and he's shown me we've talked a lot about how the patriarch is one of the most disrespected things in the lore and on the tabletop as far as like what it's supposed to be versus what it is in practice where it's basically like this is just another brood lord but it's Oh, we're regularly going to have it killed by a Space Marine sergeant. Not even a lieutenant. Just sergeants. I mean, we can get into that, too, because I have a pretty big list that I've built out, because I, I did a little bit of research in this just to refresh my memory on uh, some of the stuff that was just Imperial versus Xenos, and um, I think this is another big problem. Yeah. But the point is, of, of all the outdated models, of all the outdated models, Eldar... Eldari in general probably have are the most the most guilt, uh, egregious examples. While GSC is the most, at least while I've been playing, I haven't seen them have the least support. Yeah, but what it, kind of the problem is, it's like great. Here is your big new shiny toys at the beginning of the edition. Go away. Yeah, <laughs> not yep. going to come. No, we're we're not coming back to you. If you are in an event, you might get a new character or a kill team, but otherwise, you have new shit. You no longer exist to us. At least Chaos gets the advantage of, guys, it's the middle of the edition. We're going to get something new and shiny. Come on. Maybe it's something we can use this time. Or it's more likely it's the end of an edition. It's, I was going to say, it's, it's the, the end, end of the edition. edition. Like, guys, it's the end of an edition. Somebody's getting out of resin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. My, my favorite bit lately has been the edition seems to start with, Oh, look how this Xenos threat is really, really interesting. It ends with look how this and then it goes, threat is. Oh, actually, the Chaos guys are going to come in because we need to figure out what to do to throw in something to make it interesting. And that's the other big problem. Xenos are not allowed to be a threat as much as they are a minor roadblock for the Imperium's road to victory. Yeah. And, or, or a minor roadblock for their battle against their true enemy of Chaos. Which is also not really a threat. They just kind of go, rawr, big and scary. And he goes, oh, no, don't. And then you kill the When you read the stories, that's what it, it, it comes out feeling like. Is oh, like, it's 100% oh, the narrative that comes up. It's yeah. like, I mean, hell, even the, the last 40K book that I read uh, that was actually a 40K book was called Cult of the War Mason. And I've complained about this, I think, in recording before. But Cult of the War Mason is a book that presents itself according to its picture and its back reading and everything as Scissors of Battle versus Gene Steeler Cults, which is why I picked it up. All right. Except halfway through the book, a, a unit of Iron Warriors show up, and suddenly they are now, it's all about them. They're crushing the sisters and the Gene Steeler Cults, and it's like, now it's their book. And they come out the, on top of the end. It's like, I didn't sign up for fucking Iron Warriors book. Oh, see, same thing with orcs and any chaos warband you want to throw out there. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Vigilus, one of the big things. Oh, that was yeah. <laughs> right, Vigilus. Okay, we got orcs and we got Gene Steward Colts. And the orcs are like getting beat back by the Gene Steward Colts. This is a big problem. Oh, man, Gene Steward Colts are getting big. Chaos shows up. Oh, Imperium versus Chaos now. <laughs> yeah, no. Wait, what happened to the Gene Steward Colts? W weren't they a big problem? Nah, it's fine. <laughs> Chaos is the problem now. Goddamn, what was the big ongoing narrative campaign between the Imperium and the Tau before Seven? Was that the Dantley's Gulf? Yeah, the Damocles Rift or whatever? Yeah, the Damocles Gulf, yeah. That yep. was a big thing. The Imperium's losing. Roland Eighth. how did that end? The Imperium firebombed everything because they were tired of fighting the Xenos. Well, that's so, why, as a side note, on a, on a positive side of this, that's why I thought it was hilarious that in the narrative of the Octarius War, before it became like its own release thing when it was just a thing happening in the background. They made it very clear that, okay, this is an orc v. Tyranid war 
And world leaders showed up. So they're like, hey, opportunity for skulls. And they collected a bunch of skulls and then they left. And they didn't impact the war <laughs> at all. True. <laughs> Man, wouldn't that have been a cool box to get? Orcs versus Tyranids? Yeah, the fact that we had a release of Octaria Zone and we didn't get a box of that is really weird. I mean, because are not, not really so a threat. Get a kill team. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> but anyway, that like the Octarius War is one of my favorite things in the 40k narrative, and then it ended. I I actually like to use it as an example too of hey, the narrative can move forward. It ended. That was a thing going on in the narrative for like a decade, and it finally ended. But it's Result, it led to nothing. Yeah, like, theoretically, we should now have, like, you could argue that it might be the reason why 10th edition is beginning with Tyranids, but they're not making that argument. Like, that's only an implied if you know about it. Like, maybe. Yeah, that's the big, the narrative going into 10th edition is, this is the biggest Tyranid swarm the universe has ever seen, and it's heading straight for Terra. Which absolutely should be from the Arcturus Tyranids. That's what that should be. Now that this is a whole new one, because they're coming from underneath the... Uh, I know, that's what I'm saying. That's what it should be. Because yeah. the whole point was, oh, if the orcs are fighting the Tyranids, whoever comes out on top is going to be way bigger and meaner than they were. The Tyranids won the war. They absolutely won, because Gaskell wasn't there. And so now we have a problem of massive Tyranids coming out of Octarius. And where they go? I don't know. Well, I mean, Tyranids have always been to that weird bit, too, where, like, they don't... They never really do much. Like, they, they always are presented as this giant like threat to the galaxy and then the only time they get like a really big w is against another xenos faction well they are <laughs> they are probably the hardest race to write proactive stories for since they don't have for lack of a better term uh personality i mean they are a force of nature and well they've like, even kind of gone and given them Personality, which yeah, let's say they've given some of the high some personality. the old one eye, the swarm lord. Well, has- I was more talking like they did the dumb thing where the blood angels made brief contact with the hive mind and kind of got a feel for its motivation. And well, its motivation was, I'm gonna be a dick because I can. Well, yeah. its motivation should be, I'm hungry. No, <laughs> no, they, didn't even do they just said, Oh no, it's petty and vengeful and it targeted ball for a reason. Well, so the reason it targeted Ball is because someone actually made contact with it. It's it's more concerned about the fact that something managed to reach it, right? That's fair. Yeah. If you're this giant otherworldly entity and then you've been fighting this thing for a long time and you can basically shut down Psychic, right? And then all of a sudden something's like, oh, hey, I see you. That's a huge, like, what the fuck? Also, at least Tyranids we're talking about, have been seemingly a pretty active part of the lore, regardless of how effectively they're being used. We're talking about them. You know who we haven't talked about that we should be talking about? Leagues of Votan. They showed up. It was a big yeah. deal. We had Vashtor show up, the very obvious villain against what Votan stands for, and Votan aren't involved in it I at think, all. Well, I think then that becomes one of those... Um, Votan are a little... Well, they're, they're an older race that has been like re, reintegrated. I think that that reintegration is more of a they're they're kind of setting the the groundwork first and then moving into it. Yeah. I guess it feels weird to me that you did a full army release of a brand new army that is a respawn of an army that everyone thought didn't exist anymore, and you don't seem to have any narrative thrust at the Dave beginning. Like has no faith in Xenos. I mean, my biggest thing that is fucked up is not even voting. Let's look at fucking what's the last win then. Eldar have done. Yeah, oh no, reviving Dillaman. I agree. For the Imperial, I agree. I'm just saying it's weird that you think that at the very least, with a model, with a full army release, there'd be a big event concerning them, and it feels like there were two or three things happened that they should have been involved in that they were not. Like I still think Vashtor is literally essentially the god of the Dark Imperium. The, the, uh, the Dark Mechanicum, sorry, the Dark Mechanicum. And yes, that is, makes them obviously an admech opposition, but that also makes them a very obvious Leagues of Otan opposition. And, yeah, and if rumors are to be believed, there is a wave to coming for Votan because they did really well sales-wise. Yeah, I'm glad so they're going to get something. But it just kind of goes to Games Workshop has no faith in Xenos unless they're fighting the Imperium because they know the Imperium will sell. 
I, I can say too that it, you know, in a similar way to all that, like what I'm just trying to think of, like how Tao are even portrayed. What's the Tao's win? Well, the thing is about Tao, I like the fact that it's well known if any race in the the galaxy put all of their effort into destroying the Tau, they could do it easily. Like the yeah. Tau are, they are aware of that. And they have to stay off, kind of off the radar. That is kind of a cool idea to me, but that doesn't mean don't tell stories about them at all. No, it very much kind of goes to a weird overriding current for all the factions. None of them are allowed to be better than the Imperium in any way. They can't be bigger. They can't be stronger. They can't be more organized. They have to be inferior or equal to the Imperium at its worst. Often, really, are there the books, and there are some like mechanical books, like for the game. I don't know about in the narrative, like Black Library or anything. But often, do we get stuff that doesn't involve the Imperium at all? Like the Octarius War, theoretically, should be a orc tiered thing, and then end up being an Inquisition, a Space Marines, War Leaders are involved, like. The tower, perfect setting to just have like, oh, tower dealing with an orc incursion. That was literally Farsight's origin story. But I feel like we don't get to have that. And, and we're getting few ones here and there. But yeah, the I would say they get buried in. Here's the latest Space Marine book. Yeah, I, I will say that there are quite a few that I've seen. Um, but the problem is, is it, it then becomes a like the Xenos are always on the back foot because we've got the Imperium winning like basically everything. Like, Xenos, like I said, I made a list earlier of, like, where are the wins for Xenos over the Imperium, right? Because, like, there's plenty of wins between Xenos and Xenos, right? Like, we've got that Tyranid that managed to eat an entire craft world. Kind of fucking weird, but it did it. Uh, we've got, like, Gene Sealer Colts beating out orcs. We've got Dark Eldar, like, looting an entire Tau portion. We've got Tau fighting Votan and pushing them back. We've got all of these things. Necrons fighting Necrons because the dynasties are awakening, right? We've got a lot of these, but they're always so sprinkled between, like, they're so not pushing the narrative forward. It's just like a side story that becomes these two fighting each other. And it's like, well, we kind of got to put it in there as a filler. But, like, at the end of the day, we're going to throw some space marines in there, and everyone cares about that now. Like, well, that's also... And I want to be very clear. What I'm about to say doesn't actually bother me personally, but I can see why it's a a data point in a conversation about a bigger problem, right? Which is, take a look at Gaskell. And Gaskell is the biggest, baddest orc. He leads the biggest, baddest wah, period. He's supposed to be, like, the ultimate orc threat, at least to the 41st millennium, because he's the prophet of orc and orc. He's bringing together all the orcs. But then you look at his actual record, Basically, he kicked a bunch of orc butts, took his wah to Armageddon, and lost three times to, and then to, to like just regular Imperial Guard stuff. Now, Yarrick is awesome, but still, that's really what happened. And then Space Marines showed up and kicked his ass even more. He went, fought Tyranids for a while, beat them up, but then left to go get beaten up by some more Space Marines in the Prophecy of the Wolf. So, like, the biggest, baddest name in that whole entire Xenos army that the entire faction in the lore revolves around, and he has basically the same kind of record that Abaddon has. <laughs> yeah, because again, no one can really threaten the Imperium outside of, well, in the lore, they have the potential to be a threat. It's like, that's nice. Games Workshop's never going to make them a threat. It's funny, because I think orcs are an exception there, and that like even orc players don't really care about orcs losing, because... If well, we fight, we have a good time. Yeah, if you're fighting, you're winning. Like. But that's why I'm like, it's indicative of the same kind of issue that, like, that is a bigger deal when you look at something like the Necron. Silent King should be fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Silent King gets introduced. Necrons are a big threat. What the fuck did they do in Ninth? Well, plus the Silent King is, is inarguably the oldest being in the setting now. Like, And what did he do? Where the fuck is he? Now, uh, one notable thing from Ninth he did. He showed up, did the uh, did the pri the Prion Nexus Awakening, and then immediately was like, "Oh yeah, the Tyranids might be a threat. We should deal with that and help the Blood Angels." I admit, on, there it is. On paper, I get that his motivation to now focus on the Tyranids kind of makes sense. Yeah, it still feels weird when it's like 
<laughs> I don't know. I yeah, like- but like you were beating the guys right here. Then we're also a problem. For anyone who doesn't know, the Silent King, who is the leader of the Necron and is over 60 million years old because he was there during the war in heaven when the Necron became the machine people, his he disappeared for 60 million years, came back with no explanation of where he's been, but basically said, okay, my goal is to make my people organic again, and because of that, Tyranids are the biggest threat because they want to get rid of all organic material. So that's what I'm going to focus on. So, like, I get it, but that's still, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to explain why that feels weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's just strange, because uh, he did have the Blood Angels, like, pushed to a man, basically, and it was like, you know what? Yeah, no, we should probably deal with the Tyranids. <laughs> like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, and this is the problem we'll talk about when we do the problem with the Imperium. The Imperium is the protagonist of the setting. And Games Workshop bends over backwards to do everything they can to almost make them the good guys of the setting because, well, the good guys always win. But we'll talk about that when we do the Imperium. I want to talk about something else that's really kind of annoying about the whole Xenos of it all. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of annoyed. Like, I'm not even super into, uh, into Eldar, but I've got a lot of buddies that are. And, like... It, sure, like, it is messed up that their greatest achievement lately has been like, congratulations, we brought back Gilliman. It is funny, because it is. I still think, I feel like GSC is the most like kicked puppy in the whole game period, but GSC doesn't feel like it needs to be a big deal because it's this underground like cancer thing. Eldar, on the other hand, are, they're the elves of the setting, and if we look at you know how any other fantasy setting treats elves, I don't even like elves. I fucking hate elves. Right. In basically, all settings, but I respect their place in the fantasy network that Tolkien created, and the fact that the Eldar are our version of elves, and they feel very non-important always is really odd. <laughs> well, let's just talk about the fact that Yunari and hey. We are part of this big narrative event going into the next edition. We have a whole book about bringing back the God of the Dead and this whole faction and uniting the Eldar. And now that has all quietly been swept away, never discussed or talked about again. Did you not feel like, weird? Did you not like not sell? Because I know that the Eldar players that I've talked to love the concept of Yanari and being able to basically do the genes to their cult thing, but for the for the Eldari, like... I don't know what happened. And I think they did pretty well, actually, because, like, they even, uh, when they released the ninth edition book, it was just an Eldari book that has everyone in it. Like, they had support for this, and it's weird, but I wonder if it's maybe just another, the seventh edition uh, indexes thing that they're doing. We'll probably actually see... Where we might see Yanari in tenth when... The books are actually books, not just a but, an index. But again, like from just a, I hope so. But yeah, again, from that, fingers crossed. From a lore perspective, I am wondering because the whole Yanari push was: we think if we can get the God of the Dead back in shape, that he that they could actually fuck with Slanesh and save us. Now that will never actually happen because right. Slanesh is a super important part of the setting. But I wonder. Where did that plot go? And there's so much speculation. Was someone at GW like a big Eldar player and they left? Were they told to squish it? Does Games Workshop secretly hate the Eldar because sometimes it feels like it? I don't honestly say I don't think Games Workshop secretly blank anything because I think Games Workshop is a wide enough, from my understanding of the company, uh, while it has mandates largely built around financial data it doesn't necessarily have in like actual prejudices other than maybe blind spots about like what their thing we're, we're not going to go into one of their very obvious prejudices yeah it's if you know you know yeah point is though that as, as in general i think that the games workshop as a company really can only be guilty of making accounting decisions <laughs> yeah and it just it just feels weird because i don't like eldar personally i don't like him aesthetically i don't like them lore wise but to i have recognize that. their importance and it's fucking stupid that they get set up for big narrative events 
And then we're told to forget about those narrative events. They never happen. They never matter. Look, more Marines. Well, Lark, I think you and I have said in multiple recordings that in any hobby like this, any hobby, just because you personally don't like something in it doesn't mean it's not good for the hobby sometimes. Like, you need faction diversity. Yeah, exactly. Like we talked a long time ago about how Tau feeling like really separate from everything else in the setting is actually to its benefit. It's good to have something like that because it makes the galaxy feel, the setting feel bigger and wider. I am still so pissed that Games Workshop caved to the community on Tau. Like uh, the, potential, the, the potential they had to be new and interesting and different that got met with the weird... Xenophobia isn't the right word, but it is also the right word. I, I, I get what you're saying. I actually I like the introduction of the Orwellian mind control aspect, but I also that's, like... That's fine, but also I like the, down of they cannot be successful, they cannot be big, and if anyone actually tried, they could beat these stupid weebs in no time. They're not really a threat. Like, I want Farsight on. to be successful in basically everything he does, because Farsight is one of the closest things to a legit good pro protagonist character. And he's he. I feel like he's not gonna like flip over the setting or anything. But I want him to be successful in his endeavors. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about the other big thing. There are no real character, you know, characters in Frazinos. It's very limited. Like, Comparative. well, yeah, you can have a huge long discussion discussing the Primarchs and their motivations and why they did what they did and what affected them. And armchair general them, armchair psychiatrist them to death. You cannot do that with Xenos. Well, Xenos are, they're evil and they're bad and they're cruel and dumb. Right. Don't forget they're also dumb because they're not human. Would you say it's fair to say every Xenos faction has probably two known, like well-known name characters? Like they might have more in data sheets, but as far as like things people know, like in Necrons, you've got the Silent King, you've got Trazen. Right, you might count the. Trazen got yeah. bumped up just because he was a big for uh, going into seventh. Yeah, uh, well, King. Uh, like I said, in Orcs, we've got probably Captain Badruck plus Gaskell as like well-known name characters. I was going to say you got Gaskell and you got yeah. Makari. Sneaky guy would be uh, yeah, but even his name. I'm saying that like Badruck has more of a reputation than than who you're, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, well, the sneaky boy got a book. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tau, we, like we said, we've got Shadow Sun and Farsight are super well-known characters. Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, with Eldar, what, Far, Farseer? Uh, so Eldar have, obviously, we've got Yvrain. Yeah, Yvrain. We've got the, uh, God, there's so many Phoenix Lords. I uh, thought there was just one Farseer. There's, there's one that gets used for everything. And I'm well, that's the, the Galaxy War 2. Yeah, I remember. And I don't know... I don't know any Dark Eldar characters, but again, I know Dark Eldar the least. Well, so there's uh, there's Lilith, which is the main succubus gal. She's the witch girl, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, and then there is the dude that had the freaking Dark Ark with the slave girls on it. But my, they were like, nah. But the point <laughs> is that we're struggling to find two for each Xenos race, whereas, as Ward pointed out, the Imperium has just a lot more named characters. Yeah, well, let me put the named characters aside. What can you tell me about those characters' personality that doesn't come down to evil, cruel, or dumb? I mean, I could tell you about the orc ones, but that's because I just know orc very well. <laughs> I'm going to say, too, well, when it comes to the Necrons, I don't think that they're evil, cruel, or dumb. They're just kind of... I'm going to say, Trazen has become basically the community fan's favorite character in the entire setting because he's such a yeah. fun character. But he's I feel like he's an exception. Well, what's his, like, tell me something about it. The same thing, like, if we wanted to, we could have a full conversation about Angron right now. True. We cannot have that about a single Xenos player character. Oh, I can have it with Trazen. Yeah, well, again, Trazen, I feel like, is the exception. Yeah. I mean, I can with the Silent King, too. Like, he has... Uh, I also forget what's... He's I can do it with Gaskell, but I don't think he has a personality. But, yeah, I could do it with Gaskell, oh, no, 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 no. but I couldn't do it with Badruk. Like, I've read one book with Badruk, and I couldn't do it with Sneaky Blood Axe's orc. Uh, the, the Silent King does in, in ways that... Um, he does really weird, like, tactics things to see what's going on, but that does play off of the the idea of Trazen, where Necrons are in this weird spot where they're, like, they've realized that they're going to, to win in the long run, they've got the waiting game, and everything is so, like, temporary, right? So they've got the uh, the concept of, 
Yeah, I don't necessarily have to beat this thing because I could just kind of wait. Which is cool, but that's also kind of new. And again, they've gotten better about this. We've started getting books that give these characters because the reason the Imperium has so many characters that actually have our characters is they had Black Library series dedicated to giving them personalities and backgrounds and stories. Because there's the other Necron guy that worships the, like, thinks he's still a human. And he goes and he captures commissars and stuff to interrogate them. But he, like, sets them down at a table and is like, welcome, fellow oh, yeah. noble. That guy. <laughs> Do either of you guys know? I know that Votan was released with a few characters, but I don't know them at all. Uh, Votan had one. Yeah, they've only got one right now. Just and, one? I thought it was... All right. No, on. they've only got the one, and then they've got... Um, the the Einherjar champion guy who isn't a character he's okay. just called the champion right. uh, and then they've got their psyker that has the the three robots and I don't remember the the graybeard guy he's just the graybeard out of Skyrim yeah and I mean right. on the table Votan because Votan have real potential because. They are. They're very new, admittedly. I don't think that they're. They've been around a lot, enough to like solidify. Yeah, no, I was just as a. It was more of a side note. I just I didn't know what their character breadth and release was. So. Yeah, the biggest well, one I have a hard time with is a Gene Sealer. Gene Sealer. Well, the funny thing, Gene Sealer Colts. I was thinking about this. It is really difficult in general because of how Gene Sealer Colts exist, like how they function, how they function. Yeah, to have named characters because the whole point of Gene Sealer Colts is they pop up in the underground of, like, varying imperial cities. You don't really have genes to the cults that travel from one place to another. They wait there for the Tyranids to show up and eat them. Right. Still, that should be the easiest series, right? Right from the perspective of the gene stealer cults. Really go into their whole weird, twisted mindset. Because well, they Cult waffle the back and forth so much. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm pretty sure they did that. Yeah, Cult of the War Mason did that. Uh, again, my problem with Cult of the War Mason had to do with the Iron Warriors showing up. And yeah, see, that, that's, not, that's not a Gene Steeler Cult novel. But <laughs> Gene Steeler Cult's in here, and they're kind of doing their thing. I'm saying outside of those, the chapters that were in a Magus's brain and the chapters that were in a uh, – sorry, the chapters that were from a Magus's perspective and the ones that were from a Sister Superior's perspective were fucking sick. Baller. I just hated the Iron Warriors showing up. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, I have read more books about what it's like to work inside a recycling plant in the Imperium than I have any book that even spends an inch of that time talking, what's a Tau world like? And I was just saying, Farsight should have his own series entirely. I know he has a few books. He's had a few, but again, Games Workshop... But his books are always like... like yeah, him fighting the Imperium, and then like like Farsight could easily be the drist of a 40k. I think easily. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the problem. Is Games Workshop as bad as they treat Chaos? They treat Xenos way worse because at least Chaos, you get to have Black Library books, big long omnibuys about this is what it's like inside. You know, the Iron Warriors home planet. I think the reason I think the reason for that is, and again, regardless of how effective they are at this, the intent seems to be that Chaos is the primary antagonist of the Imperium. Right. Xenos are more like setting dressing. Yep. They're they're more side characters. It, it's one of those uh I wouldn't say that Chaos gets it better or worse, because in the end of the day, like every time they show Chaos, it's about Chaos losing. Now Again, there are people can easily point to examples that counteract what we're talking about. I myself read a book called Brutal Cunning that was half from the perspective of an orc knob, and it was fucking awesome. But it was also half from the perspective or half from the perspective of a, a tech priest, and then there was a little bit of a chaos warpsmith in there. Mm-hmm. Which fine, it was a fun book, but you know, I don't know how frequently that was I think Mike Brooks was the guy who did that. Yeah, and I have heard yeah, I've heard he's very his stuff's very good in general, but I haven't read any more, so I can't say. So, you know, I can only say fingers crossed they keep doing stuff like that. And that one did fairly well, so I'm hoping they're they're shifting, which is nice to see. But it's so frustrating to have everyone go on and on about, oh, well, 40k doesn't have good guys, doesn't have protagonists, antagonists, yada yada yada. When it clearly does. The Imperium is the protagonist. Everything is to serve the Imperium storytelling-wise. 
Of all of our conversation, we are currently recording this at a time when basically all of 10th edition has been revealed, even though it hasn't been released yet. And at this time, it does feel like it's moving in a good direction in general, while admitting things look like they are making incrementally good changes. Now, keep it up. Do more. <laughs> so, yeah, just making that point now. Changes. It's a fun, diverse setting. And I'm a Space Marine player. I love getting new toys. But I also love fighting Xenos players because they have entirely different stat lines than me. The, the setting does get boring when it becomes a... Uh, we're going to be playing against the same thing, but... Well, man, I'm, I'm bringing it They're up. a different color. <laughs> I, I, I love fighting games, and I hate mirror matches. And that same logic applies to almost any other game I can play. I don't want to be playing against what I'm playing in general. That's why it's funny. Like at the beginning of 8th, everyone's like, ooh, are we going to have an Imperial Civil War? And people are like, why would you do that again? It's dumb. Because we're all stuck fighting Space Marines. We might as well have a fun narrative to explain why we're stuck fighting Space Marines. Yeah, but also, they were real quick, from a lore perspective, the Lion was never going to start a civil war with Guillemin. The fact that the actual response seems to be like, my god, my brother is alive. I thought I was alone. Of course that's how it was going to go. Well, I'll admit, I was kind of rooting like, oh, there could be some fun with, you know, the Lion and Guillemin being on opposite sides. But then being on the same, like, oh, no, that's cool. They're and brothers. we got like, tension, but they were not going to fight. No. <laughs> Well, I just like that, you know, like, finally, someone that understands what it's like to be us. Yeah, and exactly. Also, dad sucks. Dad does suck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, once you've got four Primarchs running around, different. Because you could have you could have team-ups and then... Oh, no. We saw it was like when there was 18 of them. It, did, it was not a functioning family. Yeah, ex- exactly. We're getting ahead of ourselves. That will be the next time when we do everything wrong with the Imperium. Yeah, I'll say, for me personally, I don't have uh, a particular thing wrong with orcs, but I feel like orcs are, in some ways, a Xenos poster child. If not the most narratively important, they're like the most quintessential of what a Xenos race is. They are kind of the 40k setting itself, personified in a race. So I feel like they managed to get off the best. I feel like Eldar and Genes to the Colts particularly, and probably Tau, really need help and attention. Yeah. The one thing I will say that could solve a lot of problems for Xenos in general is put a mercenary system in 40k rules and let people share armies. Because the hardest thing about starting a Xenos army is you can't dummy it up with another army. Like Imperium, since there's they go back and forth on what you're allowed allies or not. But you can build, you can slow grow an army. Like, I'm just going to take these allies till that's ready to be a full army. Xenos do not get that luxury. Xenos are like, if you don't got X amount of points, you're not going to play them. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Cause like, I would say on the tabletop that a lot of the Xenos armies are doing well. Having watched a lot of the tournaments and played in quite a few of them, like, I, I feel like on the tabletop, they're doing good. I don't I mean in that, that sense. I mean in the sense of able to build up from a small amount of points to a full army. Like, if I only have 100 points of, say, Death Watch, I can lump them in with some Space Marines. I'm like, okay, then I'll get to play these. They don't play as effectively, but I can get them on the table while I'm building it up. I do get yeah. I get what he's saying, and from a certain perspective, I think a mercenary system could work really well for Orcs, Eldar, Necron, and Tau. Voton, especially. Come on. And Voton, sorry, and Voton. But I was well, I think that Voton would be the one that I would name the most out of the Yeah, but again, I was putting Voton on the side because they're brand new. Yeah. But yeah, it could work really well for them. I will say that and I know there's a whole nother discussion here. Kill Team kind of validates that argument because that's kind of what Kill Team is designed to that's do. That's kind of what it is, yeah. Same thing with, I would think, then uh, now boarding, boarding Patrol. Boarding Patrol and Combat Patrol. Yeah. Now coming yeah. up. Because that is, we literally just have different game modes for you have small for, amounts. Yeah. And Combat Patrol is kind of like they're, again... This like, oh, I got one box, now I can Kill Team. I got two boxes, now I can Combat Patrol. I got three boxes, now I can Boarding Patrol. 
yeah, that kind which of is great, but it's also reliant on you have people in your local community that want to play those games. Now, me personally, I have a very healthy community that does kill team, that does boarding patrol, that does the whole gambit. But I've also played other ones like we do 1500 points of 40k or nothing. Personal experience, you can't. Get... Yeah, and I was going to get into another thing there too is uh, one thing I've been noticing with the combat patrol boxes and the boarding patrol boxes is it seems like they've made more of an accessible way of you to get to that point. Yeah. Now, if they would only release the terrain at a lower, more affordable price for boarding control. I would also I, I would also say, Ulrich, and again, this is just my personal experience. I've only dealt with essentially two geographical locations of playing 40K. The general impression I've gotten from those two geographical locations is pretty much a, what do we feel like playing this, this time? Do we want to play this game or this game or this game? And it's very open. I have not seen a very like hardcore foot on you know on the ground. It like, wasn't hardcore as much as it was. We had limited times to play, so most people wanted to play certain ways. It's like we only have narrow windows of opportunity to do this. This is the most popular one. This so, is the one we're most likely to play. And having come from someone who's played a, a couple tournaments, um, like there are. Yes, there's slotted times, and that's why a lot of the times we end up playing with like the rule set that um, the FLG like puts out, uh, as well as you know when you're going to the tournament that like, hey, these are the games that are going to be featured, and most of the time the games that are going to be featured are 2K of uh, of Warhammer or Kill Team. Kill Team has been featured in almost every major tournament that I looked at. So, like, there isn't really, if you're looking to go, like, just play at any of your stores, right? Like, that, that's going to be something that is just readily available to you. And yeah. I think that with how Combat Patrol is coming out, that's going to be another, like, I don't think that this issue is going to continue that way. I think that that's going to kind of become a, another, like, valid game type. Because I know that for a while there was the... Uh, what are the actual big three uh, game types of you know Games Workshop? We've got Age of Sigmar, 40K, and I would say honestly, Kill Team because Kill Team shows up every single time, like yeah. especially since 20, 2021 came. Oh, uh, Games Workshop supported Kill Team because yeah. if, I don't know if you heard, but there were several predecessors to Kill Team that Games Workshop just killed, and part of it because I, I, played, were I played. Kill Team 1, that was... Uh, <laughs> I'll talk about what was it, was Patrol, and then there was another one before that. There was a couple that were before that that just, they weren't fun. And yeah, I played Kill Team 1, and Kill Team 1 also had some real issues. Well, but the Kill fact they continued to support it and grow is like, good. Keep, if you build it and support it, it will have an audience. Yeah, and I, I feel like they've done a good job with what they're they're presenting for that, right? Like, Boarding Patrol, a lot of people have liked. I don't know if that one's going to stick around as long as they they want it to. Boarding uh, Patrol's biggest hurdle is the terrain is so goddamn it's expensive. It's just really expensive. Unless you want a tripping box already. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what the accounting shows for... If we look at just how the game is set up, roughly half of the game is Imperium. Then about... A fourth of the game is Chaos, and a fourth of the game is Xenos, just by faction, right? Yep. I wonder if that same percentage breaks out in sales numbers. And even if it does, is that a cause or is that a consequence of that setup? Is like the reason why they set it up that way because that's how it sells, or does it sell that way because that's what's available? I'll just ask you this. When you walk into a games workshop or any store that has Warhammer stuff, what is the first thing you see? Usually a giant space marine cut out. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're new to the setting, you're already being herded towards play the big armored guys. Which is why my, my thing is, if there's one overall thing, I think, and I think this is a bit of a cop-out, but it's just being honest, is have... In order to fix the quote unquote the problem with Xenos, is have more stuff involving Xenos that just doesn't involve the Imperium at all. 
whether it's Xenos v Chaos or Xenos v Xenos. Just, and I'm not even like a whole lot more, but just more stuff of yeah. that. I mean, you think you look at the um, the splat books that they love to push out, right? Like Nephilim or the entire uh, freaking what was the name of those books in uh, eight the the warp books Ulrich Psychic uh, Awakening Psychic Awakening thank you like all of those yeah just if you guys are gonna do middle books like that do it all Xenos yeah just do it like the overarching thing can be your your space marines versus whatever and because I know you're gonna throw chaos in at the end because you gotta be like well we don't hate them guys trust <laughs> <laughs> but like in between yeah a hundred percent I'm with you on that. Axel, like I, I think that they should just we'll release a book that's just it's just about these two Xenos races and then another one and another one and then you can and put all your one win for the love of all that's holy. Yeah, just give them a double. Also, also question question. When was the last time there was I know we're not talking about chaos, we're talking about Xenos, but I don't think we touched on this. When was the last time there was a chaos v chaos event? Uh, technically, this just last bit with. Well, I know Bellacor v Vashtor, but that was still a small side thing on what was a Dark Angels v Vashtor event. Well, so, I mean, technically, the Chaos v Chaos thing was more of Ang- Abaddon going around and being like, "Hey, you should work with me." What was that in, and how? Uh, I don't remember what the uh, the exact context was because I got it from just kind of watching. Plenty of, and I only heard about it from you, so I don't actually know where that's. It's uh, but it it was basically when uh, Abaddon was doing his latest crusade roundup. Let's the Arcs of Omens. No, it's before Arcs of Omens. So before, yeah, like the Black Crusade, like the Thirteenth Black Crusade. Yeah, because he he's going to he basically was trying to get all of the uh, the chaos primarchs on his side. They've been doing that since first. That feels like a training montage more so. It was a training montage that had kind of a versus event because all of them were like, "We're not going to work for you." Like that's stupid. Oh, there was a brief moment in seventh when Red Corsairs got to have a spotlight. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it because we're talking about like Xenos v Xenos stuff. And I was thinking that I feel like there's even less chaos v chaos than there's Xenos v Xenos. Well, yeah, because they only bring up chaos when it's uh, this specific faction is now doing the thing, right? So, like, Seventh, it was like, this specific thing is now, oh, the Death Guard are doing the thing. We need to deal with them. Boom, Mortarian release, right? Eighth came around. Oh, now the Thousand Sons are there because. We promise we're going to release models, guys. Boom, there's Magnus. And then Magnus disappeared. And then now we've got ninth was, we're going to wait the whole bit, and then, oh, uh, Angron gets summoned. Angron is big spooky. Just kidding. No, he's dead. Move along. Like, Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of examples of non-Imperium event stuff at all. Like, It's weird to me. I know I'm jumping topics very quickly, but my brain's just kind of going over a lot of this. Like we talked before about how the Silent King now has this, you know, axe to grind against the Tyranids. Did we get an event of that? I know there was him teaming up with the Blood Angels and their like their conflict, but I mean, imagine if we had like an animation of some reveal that was just basically the Necron half of the ninth edition trailer and the Tyranid half of the tenth edition trailer mashed together. Yeah, uh, we didn't really. I, I think then to the uh, that ball event was his like, oh, maybe these things are a big problem, right? Yeah, but I'm trying to think like because I love the ninth edition trailer a lot. It's still as an animation to show people. The tenth edition trailer is okay. I'm just trying to imagine how cool it would be to have like animation trailer like that of the Silent King leading a bunch of Necron into fucking uh, a Tyranid nest. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I would like to see just a lot more of the animations in general, because I do like the ones that are on Warhammer Plus, but there's a lot of Warhammer Plus that I'd have to unpack there. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of how that went down. But I will say that uh, there's a lot of good things in Hammer and Bolter that, that do a good job of like showing the perspective of certain things. Like, sure. Honestly, out of all of them, I still think the Eldar one's the best one. Absolutely. It's the best one. 1,000%. One. Mm-hmm. That one's really, really good. The Z- well, weirdly enough, the really good. least good one was the Space Marine well, one, which was Space Wolves. Yeah, which was Space Wolves. And it's not even bad, it was just the least it good was, one. It opinion. was just not as good, yeah. Awesome. We spent this whole thing, we didn't talk about the Exodite 
I don't want to, show feels generous. We didn't talk about the Exodite at all. Oh, yeah, the so the Exodite show, it's all right. It was fine. Well, it was, uh, it was doing things. We got from the perspective of Tau. Oh, yeah. All about the Tau, from the viewpoint of the Tau. The Imperial, the Imperial 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 as the very much evil oppressor bad yeah. faction. Holy shit, that's like, we never get any of that. Yeah, the Exodite was cool. Yep. Anyways, I think we've rambled and ranted for long enough on all. Yeah, we've gone. I just us. went up and checked. We've gone a little over an hour at this point. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this is a full Geeks of Grimdark now. Oh <laughs> shit, would be fair, fair. All right. Well, we'd like to thank Richard for coming on and talking with us again. Oh, of course, anytime, guys. And we'd like to thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things because much like Games Workshop and Xenos Factions, if you don't support us, we don't exist. And having finished my mixed drink a while ago, I'd like to say uh, thank you for listening to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. We are on multiple platforms. I don't have a list in front of me, but if there's some other platform we're not on that you look for us first and you didn't find us, well, tell us about your situation and maybe we'll be able to fix it. Or maybe not, because some of the platforms ask for unreasonable things. As always, been Lark Man Orc. And a shield brother, Axel Wright. Until next time, may the dice roll in your favor.